0: y'all. You showered. showered. I did a shower. <laughs> you
1: <guys. laughs> You're doing the share. <laughs> uh-huh. What's so the clean shower right thing now? you speak I of? That's there. weird.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: I did shower yesterday before I went in to get my monthly um anti hormone shot and everyone in the clinic was like, Your hair looks so great. I just love your hair. And I was like, so fresh and so clean, clean. That's why it looks this way. <laughs> uh anyway lauren yes bring us in all right well welcome to breast cancer is boring a podcast about breast cancer with jocelyn and lauren whether you have breast cancer or any other kind of cancer or you're just a weirdo who's super (laughs) cancer curious welcome we hope you enjoy because breast cancer is boring but we and you Mm -hmm. are
0: interesting i love it we have a awesome, amazing show for us today, and you, mm-hmm. all of our listeners. Um, we have a special guest with us today, um, the beautiful, amazing Rhonda Williams. Welcome. Thank you. And of course, my illustrious co-host, Jocelyn. It's me. <laughs>
1: you can't Welcome. see the dancing I'm doing, but it's really good. It is. It's great.
0: Oh, it's great. solid dancing.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thank you thank you i love this uh hoodie by the way i will put a picture of it on the instagram because i actually got it on the instagram did you um yeah i think it's from uh oh is it yancy mcfancy pants
0: whoa that sounds
1: yacy. nice yacy estrada i think anyway i believe it's her design so, yeah, I didn't know you could get clothes from Instagram, but you can, and they're actually very comfortable and very, like, nice and fleecy and warm inside, and in, like, five minutes I'll have to take it off from a hot flash, but for now, <laughs> just want you to take it all in. Um. Okay, we're going to get started here, but I have a few announcements. The first announcement is it's still a pandemic out there, so do all the things that you would do during a normal pandemic, which is wash your hands and wear a mask and... When available, get the vaccine. More on that in a minute. In the last two days, I have gone exactly two places that are not my home or my work. Oh. One of them was an engraving shop to pick up uh, like gifts that I had engraved for people who I care about, and then the other is to go to the office here at my apartment complex to pick up a package because there are so many packages being delivered they couldn't they couldn't fit it in the locker system we have. Right. Both times I walk into those places, I'm wearing my mask and I am met with a young man, both were men, not wearing a mask. Oh, hell. Just not wearing a mask at all in their own places of business and employment. Yikes. I was just like, and usually I'm very direct and I'm like, hey, can you put on a mask? Right. And I got to tell you, I don't have it anymore. I've reached this, I'm just like, give me what I came for and I'm gonna get out of here because I can't. And you know what I thought about, I think there are a lot of people out there who see someone who is not wearing a mask and they don't say anything. And then later Mm -hmm. they're like, why didn't I say anything? Like, what's Mm -hmm. wrong with me? Why didn't I say anything? And I think you're not saying anything because it's a protective mechanism. Mm -hmm. Because you see all these videos of people who say something and then get yelled at, get hit, get get stabbed, get shot. And like, get attacked. And like, I can't even handle passive aggressive attacks at this point in my week and in my pandemic life. So like, I get it. I get why people don't say anything. And also I do not get why these men can't wear- put masks on. And I just say men, because it seems yeah, to me like it hard. always is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not hard. To me, it's very easy. And in some instances, very fashionable and I get it, not everybody's mom is willing to sew them a Star Trek the original series mask. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's pretty cool. It's got all the major players are there, Captain Kirk is there.
0: <laughs> I love that I I don't have to do my makeup from below my eyes. Oh my goodness. You know, when I'm I keep- at work, that's amazing. It's
1: amazing.
0: It literally cuts the time in half,
1: even (gasps) though the bottom half is the fastest half, to be sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. Anyway, it's a pandemic. Wear your goddamn mask. No, I'm
2: wearing lipstick for the first time all year. Wow.
1: (laughs) It's amazing.
2: And it
0: looks fantastic.
1: Yeah, you haven't lost your ability, which is very encouraging to me. Mm -hmm. Spot on. So anyway, moving on and connected, there's a vaccine and it's coming. It's coming. Likely most people don't have it yet. Um, I did get it a couple days ago. I got the Pfizer vaccine because I work in a hospital and we have all these doses. And at the end of the day, we had doses we needed to give. And so whoever was available, they just kind of ushered us in to give it to us. Not against our will. I was very excited to get it, despite the picture on Instagram, which makes it look like I uh, couldn't be more bored, (laughs) which just was not the case. I was leaving my body because another needle was coming into it. Um, Mm. Anyway, I got it two days ago and yesterday I had soreness on my arm in the entire area where a deltoid would be, except I have no muscle definition, but like that area. And then today I'm not even sore and I feel great. And here I am. That being said, I do have a weakened immune system, so my ANC is 1.2. My white blood cells are 3. This is from November 20th, and I got the shot on December 17th, just for reference. So if you are immunocompromised, ask your oncologist or Im- your immunologist or your... Um, what's the blood one? Hematologist. Sometimes that's who you see. But mine said, get it. There's no real... He did not see a downside for immunocompromised individuals. The only thing that has yet to be seen from his perspective is whether or not I would be able to mount enough of a response to develop the antibodies I need to develop, which I think my body can handle it. I'm pretty confident. Totally can. Totally can. Pretty confident. So also just we're going to breeze through this, I promise, but like just a few things about the vaccine. Um, I get the skepticism. I get why people, and I'm not talking to anti-vaxxers here. I'm not talking to conspiracy theorists here. I don't have time for that. I don't have the energy for that. I'm just talking to regular people who have a healthy level of skepticism about new technology, new science, and the administration under which this, this appeared to be developed, or like literally was developed. And so I get the skepticism but there are a lot of sources out there where you can try to kind of balance your fear anxiety feelings which are valid with some science and if really my recommendation is if you're just starting from nothing just google cdc covid vaccine facts and they've got a great question and answer page with links to other sources that's where i would go first and just use those like reputable sources in if you're going to google it google with some reputation basically dr fauci who should get the vaccine stuff like that so use that um i also am aware that since i'm a medical professional and i have you know medical training that what i say is going to be uh, there's like two camps i'm either in on the conspiracy which how fun would that be i mean how cool would it be to be that important, um, and have such a juicy secret. Uh, Also, though, I think in the other camp are people who may weight my words a little heavily, more heavily than they should. I'm an individual person, and this is my opinion. I do have some medical background, and it's anecdote. My experience is anecdote. So don't go by that. Don't just go by that. Two more things. If they've chipped me in this vaccine, if I'm being tracked now, I hope they brought snacks because I am boring AF. I don't go out for shit. They're going to be streaming Netflix with me for the next two weeks that I'm off work. Mm. And I really hope Mm. they like Mindless Christmas Romance and uh, uh, the BBC A&E 1990s version of Pride and Prejudice, which is a six-hour miniseries that I will be watching so i hope they really like that uh isn't it so
2: good Mm -hmm. oh my god it's my favorite it is so good
1: it's the it's so good it's so good
2: (laughs) it's the pinnacle it's the pinnacle of austin it's
1: it is Uh it is it is like the the benchmark by which all other austin you know films and tv series are measured and they don't measure up none of them do sense and sensibility the emma thompson version comes very close Mm. that's a really good one if you haven't watched that that's like oh it's one of my favorite movies well that's a different podcast anyway last thing i want to (laughs) say worst case scenario (laughs) Mm mm-hmm we all get this vaccine as like a, a globe and it turns into a whole I am legend Walking Dead situation, you know,
0: cool. just like
1: if you're old enough oh, to wait. remember I am legend. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So cool. But in that scenario, I just want to go on record as saying that I I've seen enough of The Walking Dead to know that I would rather be the zombie than the guy who has to shoot his best friend in the head to keep from getting eaten for like the fifth time that day. Right. Rather than running in fear, I'd rather have hell a lot of friends that are always around me, so much to eat, super strength, super speed, and like <laughs> not a care in the world. They're just like loafing around like they got nothing to do and there's food everywhere. So right. I'll be in that group. Thank you. Also there'll be one more episode after this and then we're taking a big old break and then we'll be back for season 2. So, mm-hmm. Rhonda, we already met you. But please save me from myself and start talking about you. <laughs> while I take off my hoodie cuz now I am having a hot flash.
2: <laughs> hot flashes <laughs> are the worst. Um <clears throat> so mm-hmm. just I mean the basics about me other than cancer. Um I'm 43. I'll be 44 in April. I was diagnosed at 41. Uh I live in Utah. Mm. I'm one of seven children. I have five brothers and one sister. <gasps> Me
1: too. Um nice. Oh. Really? You're lying. Four brothers, two sisters. No, four brothers, two sisters. Oh my gosh.
2: Mm-hmm. Catholic or Mormon? <gasps>
1: both evangelical <laughs> oh my god i'm laughing yes. so um, hard right now evangelical um <laughs> god
0: wow god, that went Jesus fast <laughs> and
1: the holy spirit
2: um so i'm i mean i'm single i have one dog dolly um Ooh. and that's i mean that's the basics of me i work for a massive company which i was talking to jocelyn about could not have been better through all of my cancer stuff um cool. I've worked mm-hmm. for them for, I mean, 16, almost 17 years now. So wow. it's, I mean, I'm fine with them being really good to me because I've worked my tail off for them. Um, but I, I work from home and so I can just basically live anywhere. So I'm a little bit of a vagabond right now. Um, so I live in Southern Utah right now, mm. but I'm originally from, oh, this is an interesting anecdote. I'm from the town that the original Footloose with Kevin Bacon was filmed in.
0: Love it! It's that's what? my hometown, Payson, Utah. Yeah, I love that you have to say the original one because the new one is just oh. not even close. Yeah,
2: not great. Yeah. You guys, not great. You guys, but yeah,
0: I haven't seen shut up, of shut those up movies. Mm-mm. I haven't. I'm seen. not listening to anything Jocelyn, you're saying right now.
2: Be better. I'm
1: so be better. sorry. I know that you're disappointed in me right <laughs> now, and I will endeavor to be better in fe- you know what. That's what I'll do. That's what I'll do my next two weeks. I'm off work. After okay. Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility and all the Christmas movies, Die Hard, I will watch Footloose, the original. Okay. Kevin Bacon. I know he dances. Do it. I know there's Text construction. Me. I know you're not supposed to dance. I will. I will. Okay. I
2: Text it. me because I can fill you in. The house I grew up in is in the background of the chicken scene. The tractor no. chicken scene. <laughs> I know. What? I know. This is... This is our claim to fame. So I'm only one Tractor degree removed from scene. Kevin Bacon.
0: One degree. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I know. love it. You're wow. welcome. This is just this is just an added Those bonus. Other five degrees, podcast. be damned. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. I have a master's degree, but guess what? That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter at all. I'm one degree removed from Kevin Bacon.
0: Boom. Boom. That's the so that's me right
2: there.
1: In okay. A nutshell. <laughs> um, and we're going to get oh, yeah. more into you as well because your timeline is is creepily close to my own. By the way, we were diagnosed four days apart, you and I. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's nuts to me. It, yeah. Just wow. Anyway. Anyway, I have a general fascination with timelines, like um, mm-hmm. every time I meet someone, Same. like either virtually or how we used to in person, and they're like, oh yeah, I had, I had breast cancer, especially breast cancer, but any kind of cancer. I'm just like, I want I want like a timeline and I don't know why I want that, but I do. And then I wanna like compare it to mine and be like, oh, where was I then? And like, <laughs> right. I don't know why that is, but I wanna know how things happened for them. And then I wanna compare it to how things happened for me. And the whole concept of timelines is just really interesting to me. I'm the same way. And I like, I don't know how much of it is like, you look at it, because it it feels
2: like a day or a week or a month can make a huge difference in like, where where you found it, how, how quickly you got diagnosed. And so I just think it's I mean, because you went from finding the lump to diagnosis really, really quickly. And mine was stretched out, which there's a reason and we'll get into, but it's, it's just so fascinating to to look at it and say, okay, like this person found the lump this day. And then four days later, they were like quick to sweet, like in, into doctors, into surgeons. It's, I think we're all fascinated with timelines because you, everyone remembers the day. I do. I'll never forget
1: that day. Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely I absolutely remember I absolutely remember the day and like I remember what I was wearing when I went for the mammogram and the sano I remember I just yeah you remember it all it's it's burned in your brain it's a hey it's a trauma mm-hmm. yeah. um, but it, yeah. in <laughs> basically this idea of timelines is also something I've been thinking about a lot lately because I you know in, by way of a confession, I've never seen Footloose, but I've seen every single Star Trek s- series, <laughs> all episodes, and every Star Trek movie ever made. So that's kind of where my priorities lie, I guess. Except I've never seen Star Trek Enterprise, and I never will because I don't accept it as canon. Uh, however, in Star Trek, <laughs> the, like, the concept... <laughs> Of timelines. In every single Star Trek series, there's always the one timeline that's that's called the prime universe. And -hmm. then there's a separate timeline and it's called the mirror universe. And whenever, you know, the the Enterprise crew or the Discovery crew goes to the mirror universe, they're always going to a universe that's like, like darker and more evil than the universe that they're in, the prime universe. And so sometimes I have caught myself as I do sometimes like daydreaming and kind of fantasizing about, I don't know, this idea that I I don't feel like what happened to me happened to me now that I'm on the other end of that whole treatment timeline. And it feels as though like prime Jocelyn traveled to the mirror universe somehow. But I like I am mirror Jocelyn but I also am prime Jocelyn like it like maybe in the traveling I lost my body and so now like my <laughs> soul is in mirror Jocelyn who's objectively a darker woman. Um, <laughs> Which in Star Trek, this is usually portrayed as uh, all the women in, in in the mirror universe always have like darker eyeliner and they're wearing much more leather and they have straighter hair, <laughs> like always. And then the men usually have like <laughs> way more chest showing always and okay. also like a beard or like something, some kind of facial hair. Mm. Uh, so that's fun. But... I just, you know, I came from being prime Jocelyn, and now I am mirror Jocelyn. And mirror Jocelyn is a stone-cold bitch, by the way. Uh, And that is both great and awful for her slash me. So I don't know. Do you guys ever feel like
0: you have arrived in in a quantum universe? Totally. Completely different. Yeah. Like, I mean it's mega life transformation.
2: And it's like it's not an out-of-body experience, but it kind of is. Cause you're like watching all of this happen and like in preparation for this podcast, I kind of looked through my because I have my regular Instagram and then I have like my cancer insta and where I've documented everything really well. Yeah. And like I was looking through the path of it and I'm like, this this doesn't feel like something that actually happened to me. Like I'm looking at like my radiation burns and all of my surgeries and all of this kind of stuff and i yeah it's it's so weird to look at that and know that that was like that was my body and my like my heart going through that because it's it's mm-hmm. i'm coming up on like three years of like the worst three years of my life and i look at it and it just doesn't mm. in some ways it doesn't feel like me and in some ways i'm so glad because it shaped me into a person that is i mean i'm so much more chill than i used to be but like it's so weird to look at that and and like know the person i was before that like my therapist she explained it so well she said you're dealing with two very real deaths you're dealing with the death of the person you were before cancer and the death right. of the person that went through cancer and now you're just trying to rebuild oh, shit. this life and trying to figure out who you are without cancer and post-cancer and all of this stuff and she's like it's I I would be floored if anybody wasn't traumatized after going through that.
0: Totally,
1: yeah, absolutely. That makes so much sense.
0: Mm-hmm. That's crazy.
1: Wow, yep. I did not even think about like going from prime universe to mirror universe to mirror mirror universe. That's <laughs> yeah. Wow,
2: there's like uh, three that... different versions of Rhonda, and I I mean I like this version, yeah. but I liked the other two as well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Sometimes. I like my most current version the most. You do too? Yeah, I think that I'm I'm just I just put up with less BS than I ever have in my life. Yep. Same. But not in a you know, bad way, like I just I mean, I've lost the the nice girl filter. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is good. You Same. know? Um. Totally. Yeah. I think that that, that's really valid. Thank you, Rhonda. Yeah. No. One of my friends.
2: It's. I was. I was chatting with her about something, and I can't even remember what it was. But she responded, and she just said, "Your level of fucklessness is so amazing." (laughs) I'm like, "Yep. I just. I have none left. I. I just have none left." And it's. I don't. I don't care what anyone thinks of me anymore. And it's startling
1: (laughs) to other people, right? It's startling to people who. Who knew you before? I know it's caused some issues even with my family. My degree of directness. My role as a person, even within my own family, has changed because I used to be the peacekeeper. I used to be... I was the middle child. So I was the person who just wanted people to get along and I would give of myself and I would decrease myself in order to accommodate some of that, you know, and hold things in and not be as direct Um or or, and not and not like risk being rude you know just for the sake of clarity or honesty or (laughs) transparency and i'm not willing to do that anymore and i know that it takes you know some of my family members who i'm not as close with it it really does take them by surprise and Mm -hmm. can you know but that's a that's a whole thing um yeah anyway timelines for me you mentioned everything happened really quickly from like, and just like, isn't it amazing for me anyway? I know what day, like I found that lump, but I very clearly remembered the days before. And like, I remember the day before that because it was such a fucking great day. I can't even describe. (laughs) I was wearing, I know what I was wearing that day. I woke up and I was gonna go. I I got dressed to go to my yoga studio because remember when we could just go places. Um, and I had my camo yoga pants on, which I love. And then this blue sports bra that always made my boobs, my very small titties look just so good. And I went and it was closed out of the blue. Like I, cause I never, I knew it was at nine o'clock every Saturday morning. So I would just go. So then I came home and I was like, you know what? I have this extra hour. I'm going to fix my car's air conditioner. It was something I had been looking into. I had gotten a part, and I would watched right. many, many YouTube videos because I had taken it to my <laughs> mechanic, and they couldn't fix it, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. And it's like the dead of summer. It's, it's <laughs> August in Austin, Texas. Like, right. you have to have air conditioner, or you will, you know, sweat through your work clothes, which is what I was doing. So I fucking fixed my, my air conditioner that day in like this amazing outfit. (laughs) And then we went and
0: got donuts and coffee and the rest of the day was just like amazing. That sounds really amazing.
1: It was amazing. And then (laughs) the next day was the beginning of the end. So by the way, if you have a Honda Accord 2003 LS (laughs) series and your air conditioner is doing that thing where it blows air out, but it will not be cold air like it'll respond to the dial of the air but it's almost like the AC button won't work or something because the air that comes out has like this musty smell like a wet dog and also is not cold Um, it might be an issue with the cartridge in the relay panel so YouTube for yourself I believe I watched a video of a guy with a 2005 Honda Accord but it still worked that relay cartridge is $7 (laughs) at advanced auto parts and you just got to switch it out, and it'll work just fine. And by the way, this was 2000 and what, 16, 18, 2018. I have done nothing since, and my air conditioner still works perfectly. So just saying, look at that. Look at the cartridge in that relay panel and, like, figure out if that's the issue. So let's get so to Rhonda. your story. Yeah, mm. I want to hear it. Okay. Yeah. I, Where do you want to start? Yeah, let's see. I want to start... August of 2017, you had a completely clear mammogram. So
2: I, so I've had lumps. I I'm sure, I'm sure everybody who has been diagnosed with breast cancer has a similar story because everyone I've talked to has the situation that they've been told you have very dense breast tissue. So you're more likely to have lumps. And so I, I had six removed on my 20th birthday, 1997 that's um and they were they were not cancer but they were like they were sort of invasive like they had grown and they were painful and they like had caused bruising all along the chest and it was the other side of my chest from cancer um but so throughout my life i've had mammograms i mean since 1997 i've had at least one mammogram a year and so anytime i had anything that was of concern i would you know go to my OBGYN and you know have a chest exam and or breast exam and then I would go and have a mammogram and inevitably it always was an ultrasound so this like this was old hat to me I'd had a couple biopsies it wasn't it wasn't honestly a big deal so that mm-hmm. was August of 2017 um in February of 2018 I so I so I've worked, I've worked for this massive company, and I've done basically everything under the sun for them. But I was working on a software implementation. And my company, our, Ooh, our North American important. headquarters is in Jacksonville, Florida. I know. I'm, I'm an IT nerd, which is shocking to everybody, because I can't even run my iPhone. <laughs> um, but so, so they asked if I'd be willing to come out and run our testing in Jacksonville. And I had just gone through a really terrible breakup. And so I was just like, change of scene, I'm in. So I flew out to Florida and spent about three months out there. And because I've had so many lumps, I would all like, I'd just be laying in bed at night and just, you know, doing the self exams. And I found one and it was, to me, it was really pronounced. It was about the size of like a marble and it was just right next to my sternum. And so I like noted it and I just kept, kind of checking on it. But I was working like 60 hour weeks. And I was in a completely different state. And I was heartbroken. And so I just, I just didn't do anything with it. Because I thought, you know, like, I've had 20 mammograms over 20 years, and it's, they're always nothing. So I'll just, when things calm down a little bit, I'll get it looked at. So it's, and honestly, I regret Mm -hmm. that all the time. Because it's, I mean, I ended up, spoiler i was i'm 3c i was 3c so like a breath away from stage four Mm. and i have to think that if i had gone in earlier it would have been a much easier path than it was um but i mean hindsight's 2020 so whatever um so i was on a flight i flew to san francisco to go meet a friend of mine that had flown in from out of country and since I had been traveling so much, I got upgraded to first class and this woman sat next to me on the flight and she had a nurse practitioner textbook and my sister's a nurse practitioner. So I got just kind of got talking to her about, you know, where, uh. what do you what do you want to specialize in? How's practicum going? All of this stuff. And so we got chatting and she said, um, she dropped just casually in the conversation like you do. I was diagnosed with breast cancer at 41. And I was 41 what? at the time. And I'm like, <gasps> her, her name's Mercedes and we're good friends now. But I'm like, Mercedes, Aww. like, Aww. I have a lump. I'm kind of concerned about it, but I'm just waiting until my annual visit because I want to see my OBGYN because I love her. And she said, so we're on a flight. We're on a flight. And I'm like, would you be willing so to feel went the, to the lump? Laboratory it's not, like, super creepy. And got, you're kidding <laughs> yeah. me.
1: Oh, no. I was joking. We just did it in row
2: one. Row one. Oh, no. Row one. Like, ah. she's just feeling me up.
1: <laughs> I, this wow. woman is a total champ. <laughs> That's a part of the Mile High Club that you Wait. just don't ever hear about, I guess. Oh, my gosh. Right. It's the I'm, worst Mile High Club. <laughs> amazing. So It is the saddest so, Mile High Club there is.
0: Oh, my gosh. Isn't but it? This, that is, like, that is... Honestly, like from one woman to another woman being like, you know what? That sounds concerning. Let me give you my opinion. That's amazing. And she's her, an amazing person. Her
2: response was amazing because I've spoken to her about it since. And she's like, mm. I knew 100% that you had cancer. I knew in that moment wow. that it was cancer. Oh God. But her response was, listen, Rhonda, it might be something. It might be nothing. But here's the deal. Go get it checked out if you're worried. As soon as you land, call and make an appointment with the first available person. But also, mm-hmm. like, be aware that if you have cancer, meanwhile knowing that she knew I did, like, here are the decisions you're going to be asked to make and you should make them before there's emotion tied to it, before you hear those words. So do you want gotcha. a lumpectomy or a mastectomy? Single side, both sides, wow. do you wanna keep your nipples? all of this stuff. And she just gave me a list of questions I should think about and gave me the reasons wow. that she had made the decision she made. Wow. So as soon as I landed, I called and scheduled and said, like, I have a lump mm-hmm. that's concerning. I need to come in. I get back on this date. I need to come in as soon as possible after that. So I did, she referred me to a diagnostic mammogram and ultrasound on the same day, because it was, it was just basically right on my sternum. So there's no way to get it in the mammogram machine um mm. so i had that and they said we're we're gonna recommend a biopsy and i said okay like i have a trip planned to arizona for like a week just to see some friends but i can cancel it if if you're worried i can cancel it and they said no it's i mean don't worry about it we'll just do it the day you get back and so i had my biopsy the day i got back from arizona and Mm-hmm. It, that was on a thursday and they said well no like maybe tuesday and it during the biopsy i just like because i'm a chatty patient i know that's probably not surprising based on you know the fact <laughs> that we've been chatting nonstop for 50 minutes but i just i i felt like i kept giving him chances to reassure me because that's how it had always gone with me you know like it's probably nothing i'm sure we're fine but like let's yeah. let's make sure and he was just totally silent. So I called my sister after that and I said, I'm mm. actually starting to get worried. And she said, We as providers are now going through this thing of like, do not give anyone false hope. Do not like, do not downplay anything. Do not, I mean, poker face. Right. And so she said, I'm sure that's what it is. Yeah. So great.
1: Isn't it amazing the ability of the human mind to protect you from? A, like a reality that will absolutely shatter your world. Like I, to this Mm -hmm. day, when I found my lump, I was just like, oh, this is nothing. And my greatest fear was that it would, they would need to put a needle in to aspirate the cyst, which is what I was convinced that it was. And like nothing could convince me until they actually, they had to tell me several times, this poor radiologist had to tell me several times, no, you don't understand this is, I, it's cancer. Like they had to be so clear with me because of the, the mental gymnastics I was going through to protect (laughs) myself from the truth. It's amazing. Yeah. And normal. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, Hmm. you just, you
2: just protect yourself at all costs, you know? So, so that weekend I had so my oldest brother, he just hit his five-year mark in November of this year, stage two melanoma. And so he had been, he was two and a half years in at this point. And he and his wife had gone to Florida to celebrate. I wanna, I can't remember what anniversary it was. Doesn't matter. But I was watching their kids. So who were 10 and eight and had been like front row to watch their dad go through a cancer diagnosis and traumatic stuff.
1: Mm. So I
2: was watching them. And on Monday morning, I get a phone call from my OBGYN's office. And so I pick up thinking they're just gonna remind me of my normal annual visit coming up in August. And so I picked up and it was my OBGYN herself, who I love. And she's like, Hey, um, I'm just calling to check on you. And I like, I was just so like taken aback and check on me like, in case this is something that needs to be removed or whatever. So I just I said, check on me. And she goes have you not heard from radiology? And oh I said, no. And just under God. her breast, she just goes, those assholes. And I'm like, oh my God, I have <gasps> cancer. What? And she's like, yeah. Oh my they, God. Like, they sent it over to me on Friday. And <gasps> so I just, I gave you the All weekend right, to pass? kind of process. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so, and she said, are oh you alone? God, and I pass. said, no. Nope. No, I'm with my niece and nephew whose dad had cancer. Like, I, and she said, do you need me to stay on the phone? Oh and I said, God. no, no, I, I'll i call my sister. It's, but no, uh, thank you for calling me. I'll see you in a couple weeks. And I hung oh. up and I called my sister who was, she's an onsite provider for a major corporation. So she's just like the onsite nurse practitioner. And so I called yeah. her and I just, I couldn't breathe. And she just said, oh, "You, it's it's positive. And I said, yes, it's positive. And she said, I will be there in an hour. She mm-hmm. called her boss, who used to be like the head of cancer at a major cancer hospital. And she said, my sister has cancer. I've got to go. I've got to go. And she swooped yeah. in and we, we dealt with all of that that day. So that was August 6th of 2018. And then, wow. so I... I called my friend Mercedes and said, listen, like, I need, I need to know what doctors you went to. And she said, I loved my docs. I'll send you a list of all of them and tell them, you know, me, they, they know me well. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, diagnosis was on a Monday and the next Friday I had my double mastectomy and tissue expander placement. So it all just went super, super quick. Wow. Oh, that was okay. Yeah, that was quick.
1: Um, well, I guess any, (laughs) any questions up to that point? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, that's amazing. It's a lot. That's amazing. I'm, I'm also, so here's where I start to get fascinated is when people get the mastectomy first versus the chemo first, Mm because I got chemo and then mastectomy with the Mm -hmm. tissue expander. Um, I had a, just a one-sided mastectomy, but and and I think I got the chemo first, I think. I was told i get the chemo first because they were going to hopefully shrink the tumor. And then, you know, th- I think they were holding out for like a lumpectomy, but because it didn't shrink enough and my breasts were small to begin with, aesthetically, they were worried about leaving me with kind of a janky boob, I, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> what what were you told when they said, we're going to do your mastectomy first and then we're going to do chemo?
2: the same with you lauren right yeah so when i when i was diagnosed they said we know you're at least stage two and a lot of it depends on the results of the mri and the sentinel node biopsy and yeah so Mm. that following monday i met with my on surgical oncologist and she said i would be shocked if it's in your lymph nodes looking at it i would be shocked you've got two sizable tumors in your left breast plus scatterings throughout. So you don't qualify for a lumpectomy. Um, So you need at least a single mastectomy, but it's totally up to you. And by this time I had processed all of that and said double mastectomy, I wanna keep my nipples, which I don't understand why I wanted to keep them because they don't look like nipples anymore, but what do you do? Isn't it Um, interesting
1: what happens to your nipple after? Uh, cause I didn't know, well, mine
0: are but like right so here I here have right my, here. you
2: know, I my armpit nipples.
0: Well, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> your armpit nipples. What does that your, mean? You don't have I armpit. Okay, I have it.
1: My, my plastic surgeon is some kind of, um, magician. magician, magician, because she, I mean, out, honestly, she's just very good and talented and dedicated to her work, but also magic mm. because magic. she had to do a, a like traditional. Santa like santa claus uh she she had to do a traditional implant on this side with a breast that had not been you know fucked with and then she had to do a deep flap reconstruction on a mastectomy side that had been radiated to shit mm. and i kept my nipple which almost fell off after radiation right. um and she had to match it she had to match these sides and boy did she ever and these these nipples Bravo. are front and center. Yeah. But the thing I will say, the difference between a nipple that is post mastectomy, post radiation, and a nipple that is you know of its regular origin and not fucked with, is well, you can feel shit on this side, but it's it's very it's much more reactive that nipple. You know what I mm. mean? And then for me, the nipple on the mastectomy side that has been radiated to shit is a little bit kind of flatter and less it's still reactive strangely because i can't feel a thing but it's not as reactive so it kind of it almost looks like a piece of pepperoni just kind of slapped there that's kind of generally what i've got going on lucky and i'm incredibly lucky and grateful to have it Mine just looks like a little disc of Swiss cheese. That is so funny. Of
2: Swiss cheese. (laughs) Is it of the same coloring as Swiss cheese? Because then I'm concerned. Because it has, well, no, it has no vascular response. Because I had like everything scraped out. So like it's just white. And it's just got a little different texture. Oh.
1: Does that make sense? It's weird. Yeah. I mean, mine's a little pale too, I
0: guess. I mean, my cancer was like, you know, I couldn't, there was no choice there. Well, you had like, you had cancer like coming out of your nipples, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Only on one side, but the amount of cancer that was in the breast tissue on Mm. the one side, it was just... I felt like I was going to be carrying a ticking time bomb on the other side if I kept it. So Mm,
1: that's how I felt. Well, that's, that's always my question because Lauren had a double mastectomy. I Mm -hmm. just had a unilateral mastectomy. I did nothing to this other breast and that that's very interesting to me too. I always want to hear how people chose what they chose if they only had like one affected breast, like what, what your, um, what you're thinking was, how you got to your decision, essentially, because it's such a hard thing to decide. And I went back and forth, and I was really tortured about
0: it. Really? For me, it was like, that was a no-brainer.
1: I felt the same. Yeah, see? That's interesting to me. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. It was like, well, if I've got that much cancer on that side what's the point of trying to keep the other one good lord and
2: again i i feel like i was really lucky because i got to i got to make that decision before i knew that i had cancer Mm. so i got to think about it logically and just say you know what like i'm i was 41 when i was diagnosed kids were not going to happen and so i just thought like the only Mm. purpose these actually serve are like i mean the only like necessity for them is to nurse children and that's not going to be something for me and so i don't i don't need them they're pointless you know and it for me it was a total no-brainer for me and the only thing i regret is that i kept See? my nipples because again they're
0: that's crazy mm-hmm. i have gone I back do and not forth. hear that a lot really yeah i've gone back and forth about nipple reconstruction uh-huh. i mean and people you know, like, oh, my gosh, you don't have any nipples. Like, you don't even have them tattooed on. Or, you know, I have the opportunity to have nipples, like, reconstructed nipples or tattooed nipples. Um, I just, I, I have not yet, like, woken up one day and been like, yep, I want them back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not yet. <laughs> I might someday. I might be like, you know what? I think I would like to have nipples again. But uh, not yet.
2: Yeah. Not yet. It's, they seem silly at this point. It just, af- and especially after everything we've been yeah. through, nipples, <laughs> like, this is a big deal. It's it's not for me.
1: Plus, plus okay. nipples are apparently absolutely terrifying to other people. I mean, <laughs> right. they're so
0: scary. Right. They're terrifying. They're so controversial mm-hmm. on a woman that they're not allowed on Instagram. So, I know. you know. But so I could stupid. post my boobs on Instagram if I wanted.
1: Hey, no who, nipples.
0: Who doesn't oh, yeah. want that, Lauren? Who doesn't? I mean, I'm shocked that I haven't done that.
1: Honestly, so am I. <laughs> I am highly breast curious. I really wish that there wasn't <laughs> such a taboo around sharing pictures of breasts and nipples and like all of it. Because I just want to see more of it. And I feel like the only uh, offering out there is porn. Which, on a personal level, I'm just not interested in because it's just such a fantasy version of what's out there. Like, I want to see, not that those aren't real women, but I just want to see average women like me. I want to see their breasts. I want to see the uneven breasts. I want to see the armpit nipples. I want to see these things because, I don't know, I'm just very curious. Careful what you wish for. (laughs) I will show you my armpit nipples. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, I'm curious and I'm fascinated and I think it's all, uh, I got to tell you, I haven't seen a set of breasts I haven't liked. So, well, I think there's a place for all of it. And the only thing that should yeah. determine whether or not you're happy with your breasts is, is how you feel about your breasts.
0: Yeah. Like you as an individual. Yeah. I feel great about mine. So Rhonda, you were saying, um, I think we got, we didn't get all the way through your timeline. Oh no! no, We just got to diagnosis.
2: We got to diagnosis. Yeah, yeah, girl. (laughs)
0: Girl. I'm so curious. I'm like, wait a minute.
2: So, my, so my mastectomy, I think, was the first time that I sort of fell apart, because so I went in, Mm -hmm. and we knew it was going to be like a 10 hour surgery, and my sister took me, and to prep for the sentinel node biopsy. I mean, you guys have been through this. Like, they put a needle in your nipple and like inject radiation into it. Yeah. So I'm yeah, like they laying sure in the radiation room and like these guys like come in too, in like hazmat suits with a briefcase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and I'm just laying mm-hmm. there on a metal table cause they don't want anything organic. And I just, I'm laying there for 15 minutes and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, like this is, this is a big deal. And I just start sobbing and they come oh, in and they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, uh-uh, no not Uh, no not in any way thank you for saying no (laughs) let's get this over with i need to get out to my sister like my sister is here for me and like i need to get out to her and so like they wheeled me out and the nurse like walks into the waiting room and she goes to my sister and she's like she's she's struggling you know and like my sister she's so nice she's like finally finally she's falling apart like it's about time um (laughs) So, I mean, the mastectomy went well overall. I spent one night in the hospital and then I just sort of set about to like recover. I was off for, I want to say, seven weeks after my mastectomy and recovery in general was not, it wasn't awful, Um, but about about a month in, um, so we had terrible wildfires. In um, in Utah that year, and my parents had been evacuated from their house because the fires had come within like a mile, mm. and wow. they were staying with my oldest brother. And my oldest brother called and said, "Listen, like mom and dad are driving me a little nuts. Like, can you like can they come babysit you?" And I said, "Okay, like that's that's great." Okay. So my dad my dad came and we watched football for like two days, and I started. Aww. So my dad's a doctor, um, and I started spiking fevers um like as high as like 103 104 like it was it was bad and Uh my father I had I had red marks and so we marked it with a sharpie and I had I had to have my dad mark it my chest which was a whole new stage of interesting family dynamics yeah um Yeah, but I just I just wasn't feeling well. So we finally called my surgeon and said, like, something's up. Let's she needs to come in on Monday. So Mm -hmm. my surgeon decided to she said, there's clearly an infection going on. She's going to need surgery. Let's schedule her for first thing Monday morning, which was one month to the day after my mastectomy. Mm -hmm. And. So the Sunday before that, I woke up and I stood up to go to the bathroom and I just felt liquid kind of running down my torso. Oh, and oh. so I looked down and Uh-oh. my my incision had popped open. So I kind of leaned oh. over the toilet and let it drain. It's, this is so graphic, but my whole family's in healthcare, so I've got a strong stomach. Um,
0: so I just me sort too, of let and it, it. Like,
2: drip out of me. And I mean, it was... Uh-huh. my best estimate is 100 cc's like coming out of me and so we called my doctor and she's like listen you've eaten today already so i can't operate on you today we're gonna have to do it tomorrow but we're doing it like twit sweet so i had my Mm. expanders taken out the next day and as i'm like Mm. recovering from surgery i get a phone call from my oncologist saying hey like we were trying to figure out if you were stage three or stage four, you're only stage three, fantastic. But yeah, right?
0: Mm-hmm. But, oh my God. but you
2: do have a pretty sizable tumor on your ovary that's gonna need to be taken out at some point because you have a hormone-based what? cancer now. And so it's it's not malignant now, but it will be if we leave it alone because of your hormone impact. So like, let's get through chemo, we'll figure it out. But the good news is you're stage three which was like the best news we heard all year. Ridiculous. Wow. Um, Wow. So then then they ran, obviously, the diagnostics on the fluid that had come out and she had taken 100 CCs out of the right side and had taken my tissue expanders out completely. Um, And it was MRSA. I got MRSA. Um, So let's see. So, and like, just to continue on the MRSA side of it before we get to some of the other stuff that was going on with chemo. Um, So I, we just could not get, there was one spot that we couldn't get to close and it was just right over um, rib eight. And just finally, we put drain after drain after drain in and it just, nothing was helping. And my sister, like, so we finally did a wet dry, like a wet dry bandage. So just. For those that don't know, it's basically there's a gaping hole in your body. You Mm -hmm. soak gauze in saline and use tweezers to just shove it inside your body and let the body heal from the inside out. And so my sister came over like once a week to check on me. And she just said, it's, it doesn't make any sense to me. There's no granulation tissue on this bone. It doesn't make any sense. So we got looking at it and it's because I had osteomyelitis. So it had killed part of my rib. And so eventually oh we God. had to well, we, I act like I had a part in that surgery. Um, had to go in and shave <laughs> the rib down well, you to, did, until it, was it started you.
0: bleeding. Yeah.
2: I mean, I was asleep. Yeah. It was a great nap. So you get back.
1: I'm yeah. so
2: glad. So I've had part of my rib <laughs> shaved down. Um, but so Ooh. and part of that too so that was about like seven months that i was on pretty hardcore antibiotics i was on bactrim and vanco and just that on top of chemo i was just miserably sick i i i couldn't get out of bed i couldn't sit up straight i you know like i i'd I'd lay in bed all day and sort of gear myself up i'm like okay I at eight o'clock tonight i'm gonna walk down the hall of my apartment and then come back to bed like and I was exhausted oh. at the end of it. It was oh, I
0: I chemo, bet. chemo and antibiotics were were brutal. They were really brutal. Oh, that, that makes me feel sick to my stomach just thinking mm. about it. It's yeah. awful, it's so, awful. That
2: sounds awful. Um, <laughs> I mean, to the point that like the DoorDash delivery people, I would give them the code to my apartment. And I'm like, listen, this is not as creepy as it sounds. I'm just really sick with cancer. I can't, I'm not allowed <laughs> to open the door because it's too heavy. Could you like oh, open yeah. the door? I'm I'm at the end of the hall. I'm laying in bed. I, I couldn't oh. hurt you if I tried, but like, I can't just, can you bring it into bed to me? And they were so great. I don't think they're allowed to do that, oh. but they did. Oh my
1: God. <laughs> you're so weak. You're inviting strangers into your home to deliver right. your food because you cannot possibly, yeah. strangers <laughs> that you could not physically fend off. Mm-mm. You're just like, like right? well, I guess it's worth it because I got to eat. Wow. I mean, a chicken supreme chalupa sounds delicious right now. It's the only thing I want to eat. I mean, yeah. Those chalupas, they sound delicious until you're, you know, shitting out shards of glass like 15 (laughs) minutes later.
0: Yeah. Oh, Oh, or puking up shards of glass. There's that too.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, my God. Um. So that's, I mean, that gets us basically to, I mean, I finished chemo January 16th of 2019. I had my second to last treatment on um, December 26th of 2018. And every year for Christmas, my sister mm-hmm. and I go skiing. And I was, you know, like, it's the day before chemo. So I'm like, I'm I'm feeling good. I am feeling so good. I, I'm going to go ski. I'm just going to see if I can do this. So I went to my favorite oh my resort, God. Sundance, um, and i it's got like these old janky lifts. And so it took like 45 minutes to get up to the top. And by the time oh I get to God. the top, I'm like, oh, fuck this, like I am not feeling great. So I just skied <laughs> back to my car and I was just defeated. I was just so mad. And I'm thinking, I just like, I just want to get home, crawl in bed and just forget any of this ever happened. So I am like driving down the Mm -hmm. canyon and it's, I know this canyon like the back of my hand. So I'm tailgating the car in front of me because they're not going fast enough. And they swerved and I was following too closely so I couldn't swerve and there was like a giant boulder and I blew two tires. So I like, I pulled over (gasps) trying (laughs) trying to like, because one of the tires I thought would survive and then the other I knew I'd have to replace. So I'm like trying to use the jack and I just lose my shit in this gravel parking lot. I'm wearing a wig that looks like my old hair. And I just like, I'm having a hot (laughs) flash, I'm sweating, I'm pissed off. So I just, as a a car pulls in to help me, I rip my wig off my head and I throw it across the parking lot and just go, fuck, (laughs) and I'm just sobbing. And this family's like, can we help in any way? I'm
0: like, oh I just, I just, I'm just having god. a really bad
2: day. <laughs> so they oh they drove me back to my apartment, and like they're so kind and just trying to make casual conversation. They're like, "What do you do?" And I just can't control my emotions. So I'm like, "I'm an IT, like, sobbing in their car." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and then. the funny enough the next day my brother had my brother came with me to chemo and on the way home there was a semi-tire in the middle of the freeway and he blew two tires and so we had to get towed it was just wow it was just hilarious like it's just a comedy of errors it was just too much
1: (laughs) wow my god so far, there are just, like, so many opportunities for you to be murdered in these stories, and I'm just so glad
0: you weren't. <laughs> i am just <Yeah>.
1: got to say, <laughs> like, to go on record as saying, so glad you're still alive. Okay. Take <laughs> us home, because there's still some interesting stuff Okay, here. Okay. So, I started radiation. So, radiation was, like,
2: comparatively, like, non-eventful. I mean, radiation isn't fun, but it was way better than chemo. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I finished, I finished radiation in the middle of March and then I had, I had my ovaries and tubes and then the tumor on my ovary removed in May. Um, And then I just, I kept having infections like every single time and they were always a delayed response. It was like seven to 10 days after I'd get staph infection or MRSA would come back or just whatever it was. And we we couldn't figure it out. I went to infectious diseases, and he just said like I, we don't we don't get it. None of this makes any sense because it's it's a delayed response and it's not a typical response because you're not having fevers. It's like it it doesn't feel like infection. So we eventually landed on we think it was probably herceptin. Um, so like the increased oh, risk of really? infection that was causing these because in like. Yeah. Statistically, I think 2% of people who take just Herceptin have this extreme risk of infection. I had latissimus dorsi flap in August of 2019. So for those who don't know what the latissimus dorsi flap is. So because I was flat and I had been radiated and my right side had had all this infection. Um, My skin just couldn't tolerate anything. So the only option for reconstruction was to do this. So your latissimus dorsi is the biggest muscle in your back. And they basically carve out a little section of it and keep everything intact. They build a tunnel underneath the skin and bring it around to the front and tack it onto the bottom of your pectoralis to support the implant. Yeah. So I've got massive scars on my back. Let me see if I can turn around and show you guys.
1: Can you see, see this? Oh. oh dang. So they're yeah, massive. Those one.
2: scars are massive. And that was those are legit. Was painful. Yeah. Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah. Uh-uh. So that was that was pretty painful. But um mm. so and then I had a couple other infections. Um the tissue expander had sliced through the stitch that holds the pectoralis to the lat dorsi and it was starting to like scrape against my skin so my plastic surgeon said like if we don't operate within a week you're gonna be septic and like you'll die so like let's just switch straight to implants you won't be able to go as big as you want but let's just do it like i'm done i'm done with these expanders like your body doesn't like them yeah yeah. like them. well I mean expanders suck so basically. and then yeah. so that's that's when we figured out that it was likely the Herceptin and by this time I had had God. so I had had wow. the surgery to put implants in and she had gotten the left side done which was the side I had cancer in and then on the right side I did have a pocket of infection so she couldn't put an implant in so I just had like the lat door side just sort of like flopping around. It's why I, it's I called it the flop doodle because it was just like I had one C and then one just like eh.
1: I was wondering about that and whether it was mm. a technical term or not. Flop <laughs> doodle.
2: It's just it's just a good word.
0: <laughs> it's a very good mm-hmm. word. It's so I walked word. around
2: for 7 months with one breast. Like one breast and one just like oh weird God. thing. Oh. And so I got I got really good. I mean, this this sweatshirt I love because it just hides it and so I like got good at wearing scarves and just sort of hiding the fact that I only had one breast
0: um
1: wow
2: mm-hmm. so then then my surgeon said like I refuse to operate on you again until the herceptin's completely out of your system so that would have landed me in like May of 20 but we were like mid covid so I couldn't have the surgery until like June and so she put the second implant in it looked like it was going well and then a month like a month later i was laying in bed i was up in portland visiting a friend of mine and i was laying in bed and i woke up and i was just drenched like there was just
0: no fluid
2: everywhere so my incision had popped open Shit. so (laughs) i went i went and woke her up and i said it's well, and she's like, "What? What do I need to do? Do we need to take you to the emergency room?" And I'm like, "No, no, no. We've got this. I need sterile bandages. I need a clean towel, and I you. need duct tape." <laughs> so we duct taped me, and I went Blitz back to the water. Sleep.
1: Yeah. Oh my Everyone, god. Full court what? <laughs> yeah.
0: Look at you. You're you're so self-sufficient. Well, it's She's like, no ER. I mean, no my ER. whole family's
2: in healthcare. So, you know, like I called right. my brother because my brother is a, he's a pediatric ICU doc in Minnesota. And I knew he was on, I knew he was on oh. shift. So I called him and I'm like, what do I do here? And he's like, Hey, like make sure everything's sterile, rinse it down, like sterile bandages, like cover it and like see if it closes up in the morning. And it closed up the next morning. And so I drove home. From Portland. And then I had surgery the following week to just replace both implants. And my doctor told me, she's like, listen, this is it. If this doesn't work, I, cause she's a perfectionist. She is, she is so good at what she does. And I'm sure she just hates my guts. But she was just like, this is it. Like, this is your <laughs> last chance to have a chest. And so you need to, like, you need to lay low. I want you to band your arm to your side. I don't even want you putting your car into, gear with mm-hmm. your right hand yeah like left hand only mm. for like a month because like this is it um
0: yeah
2: and so i mean knock on wood that's that has been it's it's still here it's still kicking around and then i had fat transplant a couple weeks ago which jocelyn you downplayed that you downplayed mm. that it's hard
1: i'm sorry about it it's painful really Oh, it was super painful. Yeah, that sucked. Yeah, I mean, I compared for me compared to the pain I experienced with the deep flap reconstruction. Here's what Hmm. I think happens with me in pain. I think I experience pain as a normal person. Well, normal person, what the fuck does that mean? I think I experience the average level of pain and I do not have like a, a, a higher threshold than than most or a lower threshold. But what my mind does in anticipation of pain is it goes into like a fantasy realm where this pain is so astronomical, like vividly I, I like lose sleep over it. I have to, um, before each of my surgeries, I took Xanax because, and I had never had that before. Basically I make the pain so huge in my mind that by the time I it happens, know. nothing can compare to the fantasy of pain that I was anticipating. So deep flap reconstruction was the most pain I've been in in my entire life. Yeah. But I was so mm-hmm. fucking grateful that it was over and that it seemed to be successful. Mm-hmm. That even in my panic of I'll never stand up straight again, not that I stood up that yeah. straight to begin with, uh, I just, I was just so fucking grateful for it. I was so right. grateful. And then the same with fat grafting. I thought I was going to have to wait till 2021 to get fat grafting and that I would have to like, I just like be thinking about that until then. And then boom, they called me and they were like, can you come in in two weeks? And I was like, yes, I can. And then I freaked out about that. And then when it was over, it's just, it's over. The anticipation for me is so horrible that like the the reality of the pain is just like, well, the pain is just evidence that it happened and I'm so damn grateful. So all that to say, I'm really sorry if I downplayed it because it is very painful.
2: Yeah. I mean, well, and I think I had just arrived at a point where I'm like, well, I'm a champ with pain. Like it's fine because it's, right. so the surgery I had two weeks ago was if, if you count my port placement Ooh. and removal, I, it was my 12th surgery in just a little over two years. If
1: you don't count it, then oh it was 10. Oh God. Yeah. So it's counted. It, I mean, I count it by the way. I count mm. it. <laughs>
2: um, absolutely. But, so that's, that's all the medical stuff. But I think I think another thing that you said you were yeah. really interested in hearing about is I took about seven months off this year to just sort of process things. I mean, chemo brain is a
1: real thing, yeah. y'all. Like it's a real thing. And interested is one word, but I think I think the operative mm-hmm. word for me is jealous. I am jealous heavily. Yeah, I'm so glad I took it. I.
2: I had reached a breaking point where I just, I wasn't coping well and everybody had opinions about, you know, what caused my cancer, what things I could do to avoid cancer in the future and all of these things. And it was just, it was just overwhelming to, to take advice from people who'd never been in my shoes. And so I was just, I was just overwhelmed emotionally because when, and you guys know this, when you're going through it, it's easy because it's just, you know, like, mm-hmm. I need to go to the doctor's appointment, I need to make it to the bathroom before I throw up, I need, you know, like all these little things. And then mm-hmm. when it's over, you finally have a chance to go, okay, I literally almost died. Like, I literally almost died. And yeah. I like, I don't shit. know who I am anymore. And so I, I just reached a point with my boss where I just said, listen, I, I either need to take a leave or we need to start talking separation because I'm just, I'm not doing well. I'm not, I mean, I take notes on every call I'm on and then I look at it five minutes later and it is gone. I, I have no idea what that note means. I wrote it. I recognize the handwriting, but I don't, Yeah, this doesn't make any sense to me. And so I just said, like, I just need to go on a leave and just figure out, figure out what life looks like from here on out. And it ended up being about seven months and it was glorious. Oh, it was. Yeah. It sounds Because I've amazing. always been a workaholic. I've always been a workaholic. Yeah. And so to have like my only task mm-hmm. to be, I have mm-hmm. to do a crossword puzzle today and I have to take a walk and I have to, you know, journal <laughs> and do these things. and. And it happened oh. to coincide with COVID, which was,
0: yeah. which was yeah. kind of
2: nice because I, you know, the whole world slowed down for a period of time, you know? And so it was, it was awesome. And I'm, I would not trade that for anything. I would, I would rather have worked all the way through my oh, mastectomy kidding. recovery before giving up that mm-hmm. leave I took this year. Cause it was, it was lovely. Wow. It was just so lovely to, to only be thinking about my emotional well-being. That was the only thing I was focused on and it was awesome.
1: Why does it why does it take us all the way up to and including a, a complete mental emotional breakdown to take a fucking rest? And I and I understand that I'm that I'm saying that coming from a place of someone who is employed full-time and has full benefits and that is not the reality yeah. for a lot of people, but considering i have that at my disposal it's a luxury and a privilege and i don't understand why i still can't use it (laughs) i don't yeah it's like what's wrong and listen it's
2: cancer cancer was awful cancer was just absolutely awful and anybody who says it was a breeze is lying but i i am so lucky you know like I'm not a, I'm not a naturally sunny person just in general, but I'm so grateful for the experience that I had because I had, I mean, cancer was bad enough, but I had like a great support system. I had, I was surrounded by people who just wanted to take care of me and just were, yeah. were there every step of the way. And I just, I don't think everybody has that. And I'm so grateful that I do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's bravery, honestly. I think it is. I think it's courage to take advantage mm-hmm. of what you have, of your resources, and take that time for yourself. Because not, I don't understand why I, I just, I would, I feel mm-hmm. such guilt around, I felt guilty when I missed work when I was getting chemo. And right. that has yeah, nothing to too. do with the people that I work with. That was not their expectation of me. Yeah. yeah and was yeah. From and me, so yeah. I think it is, it was coming from me. And so what is wrong with me that I put that on other people and then I put that on myself? I don't know. And I need to figure that out. And maybe I need to take yeah. seven months off of work yeah. to do that. And why can't <laughs> I just do that? I highly recommend it. <laughs> Rhonda... It has been a pleasure to have you. Thank you. And I'm so grateful that you reached out to me and advocated for your story to be on this show and advocated for other women to come on and share their stories. And honestly, Mm -hmm. if you're a dude or a non-binary person and you also want to talk about your journey with breast cancer, I am here for that.
2: This is something that helps me feel better
1: about my crap. Honestly, that's so legit because this show, for me even, mm-hmm. and I think, feel like I've been pretty clear about this yeah. before, like, I do this for me. It makes me feel so much better. And, like, meeting people like you mm-hmm. and having time with Lauren, like mm-hmm. like, secured time is, like, so helpful to me. So if you or anyone listening is out there and they're like gosh, I, I wish I could do that. Or like, I, I wish I knew how to do a podcast. Look at her. You can, because Just I knew nothing her. about how to do this. And look at me now. Look at us now, Lauren. Tens of tens us. of tens <laughs> of followers. <laughs> All 10 of you. Tens of listeners. So. Thank you. In conclusion, Rhonda Williams, it's been a pleasure. They can find you on Instagram oh. and follow you and all of your your many fun things. Oh,
2: it's a good ride. Nice. It's MRF 5474.
1: Boom. MRF 5474.
2: We love you. Listen, I love you, ladies. You're probably not getting rid of me. Good. Perfect. We don't want to get rid of you. <laughs>
1: we we just want to get rid of the cancer and then the people who are also cancers in our lives that need to be cut out and radiated and poisoned to shit. Right, just, just like cancer does. So, thank you so much. You. Follow us on Instagram <laughs> at cancer is. At Breast Cancer Is Boring, what is our handle? Anyway, one more show for 2020, and then we are going to leave this year the fuck behind, and we will see you in season two.
0: And that is all. Good night. Good
1: afternoon. Bye. Peace. Bye.